Chapter 32 Doc Hami We stood there, the two of us, motionless. I don't know what Aldria felt. I know what I felt. I was angry, filled with rage at the Andalites for having done this evil thing. But beneath the rage was such sadness. Such awful sadness. All for nothing. All the fighting. The killing. For what? The Endolites had seen the truth. We had lost. The Horkbizier people would be slaves of the Yurks. This virus was an admission of failure. The Endolites couldn't save the Horkbizier. So rather than let them fall into York hands, they would annihilate them. I didn't know, Aldria said. I didn't know. This is wrong. This is wrong. They can't do this. It makes perfect sense, I said. To the brilliant, ruthless mind of an Andalite, it makes perfect sense. They would rather destroy us than have us become tools of the Yurks. No! Aldria cried with more force than I'd ever heard from her. No, this is not how we are. Alaron has lost his mind. The Electorate will never support this. Never! Maybe not, I said. But the Endolite Electorate is not here. Alaron is. We are not going to let this happen, Aldria said. We are Andalites. We do not destroy sentient species. What can we do? I shrugged helplessly at the rows of flashing and glowing machines all around me. Computer! Aldria snapped. Can you place all the Q-118 produced so far in one container small enough to carry safely? Yes. Then do it. What are you going to do, Aldria? I'm going to destroy the virus and destroy this laboratory. You'd be going against your own people. She began to change, to morph out of Alaron's form, back into her own. She then looked at me through her own eyes again and spoke with her own silent voice. No, my people do not wipe out entire populations. My people came to protect the Hork-Bajir, not to destroy them. I don't know what Alaron has become, but he is not one of my people. Alaron and his warriors will try and stop us. Yes, I know. I smiled, despite everything. Alaron had failed us. My people were doomed now, either way. But in the end, Aldria was my true friend. She had lied to me, used me from time to time. And yet, now, here, in this black moment, she was my true friend. I didn't believe you, I admitted. When you said if you were forced to choose, You'd choose me. 
Of course you didn't believe it, Eldria said. I was lying, once again. But this isn't a choice at all. This can't be allowed to happen. You and I alone, going against the Yurks and the Andalites, I said. Aldria nodded. I guess that is true. Then, from now on, no more lies, no more manipulation, no more Andalite subtlety. Aldria nodded. Let's just hope that from now on lasts longer than the next few minutes. She pointed at a shining steel cylinder that had risen dramatically from a console. That must be the virus. Would you mind carrying it? Your arms are stronger than mine. I lifted the deadly cylinder. Aldria drew her shredder. Be ready to run, she said and raised the shredder. I'd seen many brave deeds since the war had begun, but none braver than that. The Endolite girl turning against her own people to save mine. I cared very much for her then. I probably had before that, but that was when I finally realized it. With all her lies, all her inbred Endolite arrogance, all her manipulations. I loved her. Let's blow this place up! She began firing, and I didn't have time to think, only act. Consoles exploded. Machinery melted. The room was instantly as hot as sun on the highest branches. The guards came rushing in. Woomph! I hit one on the side of his head, using the canister. He went down, unconscious. Algeo calmly shifted the shredder, dialed down the power, and shot the other guard with a low-power blast that left him stunned and stupid on the floor. That should be sufficient damage, Eldria said. Let's get out of here. We ran outside, with me dragging the two Endolites out of harm's way. The room kept exploding in showers of sparks and sudden arcs of mega-voltage. I cradled the container, and Eldria led the way. Down the walkway we raced, the city empty and as dark as it ever got with the low glow from the core. All the Arn were asleep. But then the front wall of the laboratory exploded. The sound echoed all around the valley. No one was asleep after that. Out onto the bridge! Aldria cried. We'll throw the canister into the deep. It should burn up safely that way. We turned to head out onto the bridge. But the Andalites had reacted quickly to the sound of the explosion. Andalite warriors were pouring from their quarters. I saw Alaron appear on the far side of the valley. He was unmistakable, even from a thousand feet away. And even from that distance, he realized what was happening. 
Stop them! He cried in a thought-speak roar. Andalites rushed onto the bridge from the far side. Andalites were coming up behind us on the walkway. Trapped. And then... Down the length of the valley, three bugfighters swooped, firing their dracon beams. The sonic boom of their passing shook the stone beneath my feet. Dracon beams ripped open the stone walls, like an arm blade going through rain-soaked stula bark. Andalite defenses, shredder cannons mounted above walkways, fired back. The valley erupted in blistering light and explosions. Everywhere, shredders and dracon beams fired. Everywhere, the stone cracked and shattered and exploded into pebbles. Three more bugfighters were coming in, fast as the first flight, firing just as madly. Groggy Arn were dying by the hundreds. Furious endolites were being hit by flying rock and by direct dracon beam fire. Shredder cannon hit a bug fighter. It blew open on one side, careened wildly, then slammed into a wall. Yah! I cheered. Madness. I was cheering the Andalites who would destroy us. We began to run out onto the bridge. We still had to destroy the canister. But a dracon beam slashed across my path, stopping me in my tracks. I was half-blinded by the flash. We had been temporarily forgotten by the Andalites, who rushed to their weapons. Forgotten by all but one Andalite. When I could see again, Alaron was halfway across the bridge, coming toward us, oblivious to the danger. He was a brave Andalite, racing across that narrow span, miles above the red-hot core of the planet, with Yurk bugfighters zooming literally feet above his head. He was brave, yes, that I had to acknowledge. But I would see him dead before I would let him use his virus against my people. It's over, Elrond! Eldria cried. You are not going to destroy the Orc Bajir! I'm trying to save the planet, you fool! Alaron said. Will you save it by destroying it? Give me that canister! Alaron warned. He was almost across. Other Endolites were responding again to his orders by blocking us from behind. We could no longer get far enough out onto the bridge to drop the canister into the deep. We were trapped. And now, down the length of the valley, came a ship whose very appearance struck fear in me. Endolite Shredder Cannon fired, but the blade ship's shields turned the attacks into harmless light shows. On it came, much slower than the bugfighters, huge and invulnerable. Its very slowness was insolent, a slap in the face of the Andalites who could not harm it. The blade ship fired. 
The bridge exploded before me, opening up a gap a hundred feet across. Alaron on one side, me and Aldria on the other. Kill them! Alaron ordered his warriors. Kill that Hortmajir and kill that treasonous spawn of Ciro's too! The blade ship approached, firing and flying low. The Endolite warriors leveled their shedders at Aldria and me. They looked confused, doubtful. Would they obey their battle-maddened prince? Aldria turned her face to me. She took my free hand in hers. We tried, she said simply. But I was not ready to die. Not just yet. The blade ship came on, flying low. I tightened my grip on Aldria's hand. Jump! What? Trust me. Jump! Chapter 33 Aldria We jumped into shadow. We fell. Thump! Boom! Ow! We landed on the blade ship as it passed beneath the shattered bridge. I tried to stand, but my right front leg was broken. The pain waited a few moments before hitting with such severity I almost fainted. Doc was lying beside me, unconscious on the black metal composite skin of the ship. The blade ship rose up from the valley, up past the wall cities of the Arn, all crumbled and in flames now. Up we rose, through the blue mist. Doc! Doc! Wake up! This thing is going to accelerate in a few seconds! He opened his eyes. Are we above the deep? Can I throw this canister? I can't be sure, I said. You may end up dropping it into the trees. He jumped to his feet. We were above the mist, over the sloping valley floor. The crowns of trees were marching past on our right and our left. The ship would accelerate at any moment, going from this crawling pace to many times the speed of sound to gain altitude before a second pass down the valley. One more jump, Doc said. He ran over, staggering on the moving, uneven surface of the ship. He handed me the canister. Hold this tight. Then he scooped me up, lifting me beneath my belly. Doc jumped, slinging my weight along with him. He reached out a hand in the darkness and grabbed the crown of a tree. We swung, 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 with the treetop bending way over, tossing us around like a spring. Can you morph the chadu? Doc asked, grunting from the effort of holding me. Yes, but what about the canister? I'll drop it. The chadu's arms aren't strong enough. Wait, I have a different idea. I began to morph the one creature that can swing in the trees and still hold the deadly canister safely. What are you doing? Doc cried as my body changed in his arms. Morphing! Just hold on! It will only take a few minutes! I felt my tail shorten and thicken. It lost its suppleness and strength, 
and became a sort of dead third leg. I felt my front legs wither and shrink away as my hind legs strengthened and grew large clawed feet. I felt incredible new strength in my arms. They thickened, piling muscle on muscle. My stock eyes went dark, then hardened to form the big forward-raking talons. And then, on my arms, on my legs, the blades began to emerge. You're morphing a Hork-Bajir. Yes, I said, using the Hork-Bajir mouth. I acquired Delph. I clutched the canister tightly. I reached for the treetop and gripped it with my Hork-Bajir claw. We're in this together, Doc. If the quantum virus is released, now I will die too. I don't want that. I do, Doc. I'll live or die with you. Then, Doc pressed his forehead horns to mine, and I felt the tingle of a sensation I had not guessed hork could feel. It was a hork kiss, I suppose. What we endolites do when we stroke another's face with our palms. We hung there from the crown of a thousand-foot-tall tree, and for a moment, at least, forgot about the battle raging, and the war lost, and the canister that contained so much destruction. At last, we swung down the tree, down to the ground. And there, surrounding us on all sides, stood a small army of hork All were armed with Dracon Beam weapons. All those weapons were pointed at us. One hork stepped forward. Doc Hami, hork seer, and no less than Aldria, the daughter of Ciro, he said. I do love this new Endolite morphing technology. It was fascinating to watch. It will be even more fascinating to use once I have made you my host. Chapter 34 Esplin 9466 Did I gloat a little? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Allow me to introduce myself, I said. My name is Esplin 9466. My rank is Subvisor 12. Although with this triumph, I think my rank is very, very likely to be elevated. Ah, yes, this will be a great success. Enjoy it while you can, Yerk. You won't live long enough to see another promotion. I smiled down at the transformed Andalite girl. We met before, of course. That was the first time I saw your morphing ability at work. This time, I was able to watch from one of the many sensors we've strung through the trees. Very impressive. It will make owning an Andalite host all that more desirable. Take them. My warriors leapt forward and grabbed the two rebels. We shackled their hands behind them and dragged them to my fighter, parked a few hundred yards away. Careful with them! I scolded one of my warriors after he kicked Doc Hami. Those are our bodies. We don't want them damaged. I glanced over at the canister they carried. It was sealed. It looked dangerous. I considered opening it to look inside, but some sense of caution warned me to leave it alone. I handed it to one of my warriors to carry. The fighter was too small to fit all my guards, 
so I kept two. They stood with the Dracon beams leveled at the captives as we took off. I was going to rendezvous with the Blade ship after having shut up the Andalite refuge. But the Blade ship was not back in orbit yet. They were having too much fun frying the Andalites in the deep, I supposed. So we waited. No matter how much glory anyone else had from the battle with the Andalites, I had fulfilled my promise to capture or kill the Andalite girl and the Hork-Bajir leader. Best of all, I had the first and only captive Andalite. Why not morph back to your own form? I said to her. There's no point trying to deceive me. I know what you want, Aldria said. I'm not going to give it to you. You can't possibly stay in that form forever, I said. Yes, I can, Aldria said. In fact, in an hour and a half, I'll have no choice. I'll be hort permanently. There was no doubting the truth of what she said. She said it too triumphantly for it to be a lie. There's a time limit? I demanded. Yes, she said with a sneer. There is. What is in the canister? I asked. Open it and see, Doc Hami said. Oh, aren't we just the defiant young heroes? I mocked them. Very brave. I walked over to Doc Hami. I smiled at Aldria. And I kicked Doc as hard as I could. Then I kicked him again. He groaned and fell over, face down on the deck. Demorph, Andalite, I said. No! The fool hork yelled. Don't let him... I kicked him again. Demorph, Andalite. I don't want to bruise my foot, hurting your friend. Just demorph. It doesn't matter. You will both become host bodies, like it or not. So why endure the pain? Then it occurred to me. The realization blossomed in my head, like the loveliest flower. Of course. Of course! Grab her! Hold her down! I cried, ecstatic at the idea in my head. I don't need her to demorph. I can infest her now, then force her to demorph. Ha 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 ha! My warriors rushed forward. They grabbed her head. They twisted her ear around. No! Dakami bellowed and struggled, but the shackles held him tight. I began to release my hold on the hork brain of my host body. I slithered out, pressing myself down to move more quickly out of the hork ear. For a horrible long moment, I was blind, connected to neither host. But then I sensed the new hork ear, the one that was only a morph of the Andalite inside. I squeezed through. I reached desperately with my palps, reaching for contact. I was still hanging half out the Andalite's ear when I touched her brain and felt her mind. It was a shock. There it was. A hork brain physically, but within it, not the idiot hork mind, but the lightning-fast Andalite intelligence. I saw inside the mind the memories of Aldria, the Andalite. I saw it all in a flash. All that she had been. All that she had done to thwart us. I saw the secret of the canister. But most of all, I saw her running, 
tail high, four eyes open, seeing in all directions at once, running free across the grass of the Andalite home. Hello, Andalite! I cried, sensing that she was aware of me in her mind. You are mine, my host, my slave. I could not wait to get completely wrapped around her brain. I had to see inside her memories, all of them. And I opened my own mind and memories too, letting her see all that I was, all that I had been. I wanted her to fear me, to understand how hopeless her life was now. Yes, look into my mind, Andalite. Do you see who I am? Do you see that I am your master? Do you realize now how we will crush you, crush you all? I touched the area that controlled sight. I opened one Horkbizir eye. I saw Dak Hami, shouting, struggling. I saw my two guards, watching, fascinated. In a moment, I would demorph and make the first ever Andalite controller. Then they would gape. Then the entire Yurk race would... A movement! Another Horkbizir! But who? My own host body! Time seemed to stand frozen as I realized the depths of my mistake. My former host body was no longer under my control. No! I cried silently. No! My host body, free now, drew back one arm and brought it down on the neck of one of my guards. My warrior dropped like a stone. The other warrior spun around, but too slow, too clumsy. My former host dispatched him, too. And then, as I struggled helplessly to finish taking control of the Andalite and get safely inside her head, I felt a hand close around my lower body. I was being pulled out. No! No! My palps lost contact with the eyes. My palps lost contact with the Andalite mind. I was blind again. Helpless. I felt an impact as I hit the deck. I knew my life would end. And yet, in my perilous rage, there was a part of me that still could think of nothing but that sweet memory. Of the overwhelming beauty of an Andalite running free. Chapter 35 Doc Hami The Yurk Slog lay hopeless on the deck. Two hork controllers lay there, too. Who are you? I asked the hork who had been Esplen's host. I am Ga-Falot, he said. You are Doc Hami. You are different. I smiled. Not so different. Can you help me remove these shackles? Ga looked concerned. He looked confused. He was, after all, one of my people. He had never known the word shackle. He'd had no reason to know it. I can do it, Aldria said. She crawled to one of the unconscious hork controllers. She pulled his dracon beam from his hand and used it to burn away the shackles. Are you all right? I asked her. She nodded. I am now. But there was something wrong with her, I could tell. 
Something had changed. She noticed me staring. The Yerk, Esplin 9466. I saw inside his memories, she said. I guess... I guess nothing is ever as simple as it seems. I looked down at the squirming, writhing slug. So harmless now. So helpless. I hated him. Hated him and all his race for what they had done to my people. But I did not want to kill him. I was just tired. Too tired to draw breath. What shall we do? Aldria asked me. With him? I nodded at the Yerk. I don't know. Not just him, Aldria said. With everything. With us. We could use this bugfighter. We could fly far away. Find some uninhabited planet. Leave this place forever. Is that what you want to do? I asked her. I am Hork-Bajir now. We could be... We could be us. I reached for her and took her hand. Maybe there... The ship was spinning out of control. There was flames. I was thrown against the deck, the ceiling, the walls. Everything was spinning madly. Through the window, I caught glimpse of a ship firing at us again. Not a Yurk ship, an Andalite fighter. It had spotted us. We were a bugfighter. It was attacking. And it had already crippled the fighter. The air was almost gone. My lungs were sucking on nothing. Algeo fought her way to the controls. Gasping, crying, she struggled with the Yurk control panel slammed by the flying bodies of the unconscious Hork-Bajir controllers. She was having trouble using thick Hork-Bajir fingers instead of her own Andalite hands. Down we went. The spinning slowed. But down we went. We're going to crash! Eldria screamed. Wham! Bump! The side of the ship tore off. I saw flashes of trees. We hit again. And again. Then, suddenly, we stopped moving. I raised my head, then lost consciousness. When I woke again, I saw Aldria bleeding. Again, I lost consciousness. It was daylight when I next opened my eyes. I looked up into Aldria's face. Only, it was Delph's face, of course. You are Hork-Bajir now, I said stupidly, my mind groggy and confused. Forever, she said. The time limit has passed. I am Hork-Bajir. My head began to clear. Memories returned. The others? The two Hork-Bajir controllers are gone, she said. Our friend Gafalat is hunting for Bark. And the Yurk, Esplin 9466. She shrugged. I looked. I didn't find him. There's a stream over there. Maybe. I stood up. My head felt like it had been pummeled by a jubba jubba, 
But I was alive. And Aldria was alive. And... The canister! I cried. Aldria's eyes opened wide. I forgot about it! We both ran to the wreckage of the bug fighter. It was strewn across several hundred feet. Sheet composite, and even an entire engine, hung in the branches above us. We searched for half an hour. Then a voice called out, Doc Hummy, I am here! It was Ga. He was in the tree above us, in the high branches. He was swinging down to meet us. He was carrying the canister. He had retrieved it from the branches above. He had known it was important. He was bringing it to us. No, Aldria whispered. No, no, no! The canister top was open. Run, Doc! We have to run! The wind is blowing it from us, but we have to run! Gah! I cried. Gah, lot. But what could I say to him? There was nothing I could do. As I watched in horror, his face twisted, his eyes bulged. We ran. We ran and ran. We ran down the valley, down toward our temporary home among the Arn. We had nowhere else to go. We ran through the blue mist, down to the edge of the cliff. Smoke billowed up from the wall city. I heard distant cries. The voices of the Arn. And as we stood there, we saw an Andalite fighter rise up through the smoke. Behind it, a transport. Another fighter. The second transport. All that was left of the Andalite task force. We stood there watching as they rose, up and up, gaining speed. They disappeared into the blue mist watching the last of our pathetic hopes evaporate. We stood there on the edge of that cliff, knowing the quantum virus was spreading on the wind, and knowing that the Andalites were leaving forever. The end had come. The war was lost. It's over, Eldria said. The Andalites are gone. The Hork-Bajir are doomed. But even now, I was not ready to surrender. Yes, the Andalites were gone, but surely there was still some hope. Surely there had to be some hope for my people. There are valleys the virus will not reach for a time, I said. Some will survive. Surely some will survive. And, and there are still the trees. And us. Aldria said. For now, for a while, we will have us. We stood there for a long time. The passing of the Endolite ships had left swirls in the blue mist. But then the swirls were gone. All that remained were the pillars of smoke and the faint cries of those who had created my people. And in orbit and in all the valleys, and in the very heads of my people, there were the Yurks. I was Dachami.
Hork-Bajir seer, but I could not see the future. I could not see the hope I knew must still be there. But I could see Aldria. Different now, a Hork-Bajir, and yet still Aldria. I could see her, and that would be enough. Epilogue Jara Hamid's voice fell silent. I ruffled my wings to shake the morning dew from them. The fire was gone, not even embers now. The hork had all gone to sleep long ago. All but Jara Hamid. They'd all heard the story before. That's an amazing story, I said to Jara Hamid. Not exactly a happy one, though. Yes, good story. Sad story, Jara said. Jara Hami tell. Father tell Jara Hami. Father, father tell father. I tell daughter. He looked fondly at the young hork who had curled up beside her mother in the night. Your daughter? I still can't always tell male hork from female hork I admitted. But what's the end of the story? You didn't tell me the end. Story have no end, Jara said, laughing like I was a great fool. Stories go on. I guess you're right. Besides, I guess I don't want to know the next part of that story. It was pretty sad. Too easy to see my own people going the way of the hork Still, I wish I knew what had become of Doc and Aldria, and even Estlin 9466. Jara know that. Doc, Hami, and Aldria, daughter of Zero, live, have child, then die. The child was your father? Yes. Once again, Jara looked at me like I was dense. Doc and Aldria have son. Son called Zero, in honor of Zero. Not hork name. No, I kind of figured that out. Son, Zero, have son. That son... Jara Hami. Well, there you go then. An Esplan 9466? Jara looked slyly at me. Tobias no Esplan 9466? Yes, of course, I did. The Yurk who was obsessed by Andalites. The Yurk who had managed to survive despite everything. Visser 3? Visser 3. I sighed. I had come to the hork looking to feel better. Now I was more depressed than before. And I was sleepy. And hungry. It wasn't a good story for a person already wondering what the point of his life was. The Yurks had won. Evil had triumphed. The hork all except this small band, were enslaved. The hork began waking up, stirring opening their eyes. They were probably stiff from lying in all these unaccustomed positions on the ground. After all, they were used to life in the trees. Ketalpak woke up and smiled at me. Her daughter did not smile, just looked at me curiously. Thanks for telling me the story, Jara. I said, I guess... I guess we can hope that someday there will be another great hork seer 
like Doc Amin. Maybe he'll be luckier, huh? Yes, Jarahami said. Yes, Cat Halpak agreed. I opened my wings, ready to catch the breeze. Tobias, Jara said. This daughter named Toby, named for Tobias. Wow, that's an honor, Jara and Cat. I was really touched. It was a typically sweet hork thing to do. But it's kind of a strange name for a hork isn't it? Yes, Ket agreed. Strange name. Good name, Jara said. Toby is different. Yes, Ket agreed. Toby is different. I smiled to myself and caught the breeze beneath my wings. But then, just as I lifted off, I felt the strangest tingling sensation. I veered back and floated above the hork When you say Toby is different... Jara and Ket didn't answer. Instead, the hork girl herself looked up at me and smiled, a very serious smile. Yes, Tobias, friend of the hork Yes, I am different. The wind picked me up then, and I soared up and away. But with my hawk's eyes... I watched them for a long time. And at some point, I started feeling really good. I felt happy because Jara Ami was right. Stories have no end. And my namesake, Toby Ami, the descendant of a brave Andalite girl and a Hortbizier seer, was going to write the next chapter. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and here we are at the end of the Hork Bajir Chronicles. Thank you so much for your patience uh, when I had delays, when we had issues, uh, sticking with me through this. It's a big book. It's a pretty serious book. Um, it ends on kind of a downer note. Um, I, I guess it ends with, like, a, t- a talk of hope and, you know, stories continuing on. But really, for the most part, it's kind of a serious and um, down-in-the-dump sort of story. It is quite dark. Um, directly after the David saga, too. Man, we, we really could use a pick-me-up, uh, Miss Applegate. I hope the next one's um, a, a little less that. <laughs> I mean, planet-wide genocide and all that. It, the Horgabajir Chronicles is pretty serious. Um, I don't have too much to say here, uh, other than, oh, let's get, you know what, let's get the showkeeping notes out at the front here, so those that don't want to listen to the rest of this don't have to. Listen, I'm taking, uh, next week off, because I'm doing some traveling, uh, I mentioned that last time. The plan is to get the, uh, supercut of this up, uh, on that Thursday slash Friday at the end of the week when I normally post a new episode. I'm gonna put the supercut there, that way at least, you know, something's coming out. Um, and I can swing that. I just don't have time to record um, and certainly not start a new book because 
starting a new book, you know, I was able to find the music, um, you know, listen to a bunch of songs off that list that so many nice people sent me, um, see if I can find something that I like that I think fits the vibe of the book, all of that. Um, but you know what, that's, that's my problem. So you guys don't have to worry about that. Just know that next week you're getting the supercut, not the next book. Uh, other than that, I have a, a new Platinum member to announce. Welcome to the exclusive club of people who have donated to my server cost. Uh, this is from Spiral Eyes LLC, which is uh, a duo. I, d- I don't know what that... Uh, this is through PayPal, so that's just what their PayPal says. I don't know what that means. Um, but they left a note, Your Audiomorphs recording stuff from two random fans. Thank you so much, uh, Spiral Eyes. Uh... Appreciate the don- the donation. That's going to go straight to helping keep this show uh, on Podbean because they charge me every year for to, to use their servers. <laughs> um, if you'd like to donate, and there's absolutely no pressure to, I thankfully um, am very blessed to have uh, worked a job right now that, I don't know if you heard that, but there was a real cool guy outside my window with a big loud engine. Anyway... I'm very uh, blessed to work a job currently that makes enough money that I don't really need to worry about, uh, can I make those kind of charges? I just can. I make enough. But um, I certainly won't say no if the spirit moves within you. You can find a link to my PayPal for a donation on my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse. Like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. I think it's inside my About Me page. I don't, I don't know, guys. You're just going to have to click around and explore. Um, if you would like to send me a message but don't want to attach a dollar amount to it, there are certainly other ways you can reach out to me, such as through Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com, on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, and, of course, uh, through the aforementioned website, there's also a, a contact form on there as well. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, I'll probably read it as well. Other than that, um, I hope everyone has a lovely week, I, I don't. You know, and all the other stuff I usually say back here, you guys get it. Um, Stay safe, y'all, and I will see you all not, I mean, kind of next week, but mostly the week after that. And we'll be starting a brand new book. Uh, It's a Tobias book, I believe, so stay tuned. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.